Welcome to the 1% Christian, the daily Bible study where we get together for 1% of our day. We study God's word and then we head out to the remaining 99% to do something amazing with this life that he's given us. I'm Pastor J.D. Ambrosio with Sound of Heaven Church in Deer Park, New York. You can check us out at soh.church. You can also download our mobile app, which has a free digital Bible on there so that you can follow along here. Tons of other great resources. You can jump on Uh, our community chats. You can submit prayer requests uh, and just get engaged online. Also consider watching us online or if you're within a decent distance, you know, a couple hundred miles or so, drive up on a Sunday and spend some time with us. Come to a service. Uh, We would love, love, love to have you. If you're listening anywhere where you get your podcasts, like, share, subscribe, and uh, invite somebody to the stream. We want you to be blessed uh, through this study, and we want others to be blessed. So let's get to it. Okay, we're in the book of Matthew, chapter 5. Look, Going through the Sermon on the Mount, uh, Jesus stops, turns to the crowds. He's teaching the crowds. He's teaching them about the blessings in the kingdom of God. He's teaching them about their identity in the kingdom of God. And by the kingdom of God, we mean he is helping to establish what it's going to be like to live in the new covenant, right? The new covenant that comes through him. It's the current covenant for us, for them, totally new. They were in the law. They were in the old covenant. uh, And that's what we're in the middle of Jesus addressing right now. Jesus uh, addresses the law itself. Right. And remember, we talked about the law being necessary. The law showed us that we can't follow God's will for our life perfectly. Right. We all sin. Back in the garden, Adam and Eve, right? They wanted to eat of the knowledge of the tree of good and evil. They wanted to know what it meant to be evil as much as they knew the good. And God obliged. He allowed us to have what we wanted. And it was a long process through establishing the law, through Moses, that humanity would come to realize, one, we can't keep it. We all mess up. And because of that, too, we need a savior. Amen. So Jesus is uh, beginning to interpret the law. A few days ago, he addresses the full law and he says, I haven't come to abolish it. He goes, I came to fulfill it. But Jesus also came to clarify and to correct because there was a lot of misinterpretation going on and misapplication. And really what we're looking at during Jesus's time, it was a it was a dead time spiritually. Temple worship. Yes. Bringing sacrifices to the temple. But man's heart was far from God, even at the highest levels of the chief priests. And that's where Jesus comes and disrupts all that. And as you know, as we read through the Gospels, we see that he makes some people very, very mad. Uh, So he addresses the full law. And then now, yesterday, we went through Jesus addressing specific, uh, let's call them sins in the law. And he starts off with a, uh, a big one, right? He starts off with murder, which we can all agree is like, yeah, punish that, punish murder. And and every society that has been civil, uh, you know, for all of human time uh, has pretty much shied away from murder. But what Jesus does is he, he goes, all right. He says, so you've been told, right? He starts off almost every, uh, every section with that because he's saying, I know you've been told this, but let me add to that. Let me correct that. Let me change what you think here. Uh, 
Um, so he's coming and he's making an, an adjustment uh, and really guiding them toward a better way. And what does he do? He says, you've been told that it, thou shall not murder. And everybody's nodding their head. But I'll tell you, if you're angry with your brother or sister, you're in danger of the fire of hell, the fire of Gehenna, right? Gehenna, that not being hell like the place down under red guy pitchfork. That's not the case here. And you may have heard different. Uh, I encourage you to study out the word in the Greek. It's Greek word Gehenna, which is, is the valley of Ben Hinnom, which was a place outside of Jerusalem where they would burn garbage and stone blasphemers. So they knew exactly what they were talking about with the original audience there. But Jesus is basically saying, yeah, you shouldn't commit murder, but you also shouldn't get overly angry. You also shouldn't insult. Remember anybody who is called, who says you fool to a brother or sister. And what Jesus is really getting at here, because it was such a, a focus on the external, you know, action is he's really getting at the heart. He's getting at the deep-rooted things that eventually lead, right? Because insults lead to anger, lead to murder. A lot of times the degree of sin that we see in society is really an escalation of what is happening in the heart. And as we get into the part of Scripture today that we're going to get into, marriage, adultery, um, we'll see the exact same thing that Jesus is trying to get across because our heart is really the battlefield. I would say our heart and our mind is really the battlefield between our flesh and our spirit. Even the apostle Paul acknowledged, he says, you know, my flesh wants to do things. And when I say flesh, I'm talking about what you physically want to do. Right. And we can all admit that there are things that we want to do physically, like we have these desires that we know we shouldn't do, right? And why do why do we have that, um, you know, battle back and forth? It's because there's something deeper within us. It's that spirit inside of us that says, yeah, I know my body wants to do this, but I also know what is right. And that's a constant struggle, right? Then some of the challenges that we have in the world today are simply because we are telling society, we're telling our children, hey, if you feel it, that's okay. If you feel it, it must be true, right? Live out your truth. Unfortunately, it doesn't work that way because your truth and my truth may be different. And the problem is, is that we're, that's what leads to conflict. But if we would all just acknowledge that there is a higher power, that there is an absolute standard, and then we pursue that standard imperfectly as we may none of us are going to do it perfectly not not a single one um but putting god in that position we always have the opportunity to get better to move toward a better uh, existence in him amen so your heart is like a battlefield your mind is like a battlefield uh where your you work out the the flesh and the and and your spirit and a lot of times what we harbor in our heart is just as real as what we do. Um, we just haven't done it yet. And that's why we need to confront here in our heart first. And if we would allow the confrontation to happen at the level of our heart, we would act out on it a lot less. I hope that makes sense. So let's read this next portion of scripture here. 
It says, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Jesus is expressing that what you are entertaining on the inside can be a sin. And by sin, I mean error, right? I, the, the wages of sin is death, but yes, but we live under grace. So if you've got God in your life, you know, he's, he's not there on the other side of your sin pointing at you. He's sitting there with, he's next to you with his arm around you saying, son, daughter, let's work this stuff out. But so much again with the law dealt with, you know, just the act and they never dealt with their hearts, even at the chief priest level. And that's why Jesus comes and he really tries to hit him in the heart, so to speak. And when we realize that on the inside, none of us, even if we don't act out, that there are things that we need to work on, even on the inside, we're, we'll be a lot better. Amen. So um, verse 29, now, if your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away from you. For it's better for you to lose one of your parts of your body than your whole body be thrown into hell. Gehenna. And if your right hand is causing you to sin, cut it off and throw it away from you. For it is better for you to lose one of your parts than your whole body to go into hell. Okay. Does Jesus want you cutting off body parts? No, this is a figure of speech. And there have been people out there that have mutilated themselves with misinterpretation. Please, please, please don't do that. Don't do that. What Jesus is saying is that, you know, sin leads to death. Sin leads to destruction. You know, when he healed somebody and he went and said, go and sin no more. It wasn't because he was saying, you know, do it again and I'll get you again. No, sin leads to destruction in our life. And God wants us to live um, live a life victoriously. He wants to live a life of free from bondage. And when we don't address the errors in our life, what happens is, is we end up going back to the same place. And so many of us go, it, we go through this cycle of redemption, right? We draw close to God. We see these amazing results in our life. And then what happens is we fall. And we get destroyed. And then what happens is he's got to pick us back up again. And to some degree, this is going to happen perpetually. But our life with God should not always be the cycle of falling down and him picking us up and having to start from scratch. Eventually, God wants us to start, you know, moving victoriously and changing some of the things in our life that keep getting us into trouble. That happens by allowing God to work at the heart level. In Psalm 139, 23 through 24, uh, the psalmist says, search me, O God, know my heart, know my thoughts. If any wickedness is in me, lead me in the way everlasting. So where you are right now, just ask God, say, God, search my heart, search my heart. And it's not like he's going to go in there and, and, and you're not going to know. He's going to show you. And for, for many of you, God, you already know what's, what's in there that needs to be worked on. Let God work on it. Let God work on your heart. And right, what we're doing here through the word and, and hopefully in study on your own and helping you to understand the concepts of God, what you're renewing your mind. 
In Romans, Paul writes, don't be conformed to this world, but what? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Got a few minutes left here, and I want to keep going. I hope what you're getting out of this today is that so much happens at the heart level. We can't just gauge ourselves on whether we externally sin or not. We got to let God into our heart. We got to work on things at that level. Will make us happier. Because even if we don't act it out sometimes, what do we do? We feel guilt, shame, frustration, you know, uh, about the thoughts that we have, about the things we hold in on the inside, right? We don't want the dark places, but that's the beauty of allowing God's light. Jesus said, I come with what? I come with grace and I come with truth. So when we allow his grace and his truth inside of us, he doesn't beat us up. He already knows what you're thinking. He already knows what's in your heart. He loves you anyway. He already knows what you did yesterday, today. He knows what you're going to do tomorrow. Loves you anyway. And when you realize that God's unconditional love is there, you can start to just take a breath. Yes, you got your issues. I got mine. But God's going to work through these things with you. Okay? Let's just finish this up here talking about marriage and divorce. Now, this is one of those things, too. You know, as we're going through, there's so much I want to get into. I could spend... 52 weeks with you on marriage and divorce and the biblical concept of marriage and covenants. And the reason why marriage is so important, it's a covenant between, you know, it, it, it's so, so important, but that's not really the format here as we come up to the, to the 1%. And I wanted to hit on a couple things here and, and we'll, we'll wrap it up as we, uh, in the next couple minutes here. But I guess what I'm getting at, what I want us to get out of these studies is the original context and what Jesus is trying to get at. We could spin off in a million different directions on on different teachings, and maybe we'll d- develop a different format for that. Um, but we try to stay within, you know, uh, we're coming right up on 14 minutes, 40 seconds now, which is 1% of the day. And I normally, like I said, keep you after class for a few minutes. I'll do here, but let's, let's read this. Now, now it was said, whoever sends his wife away to her is to give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except for the reason of sexual immorality makes her commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Pretty strong words here. And, and there was a big conflict back then between two schools of thought in Judaism. There was Bet Shemai and then Bet Halal. And this was at the end of, the, the, it was in the century, uh, or the time before Jesus and in the first century when uh, these two guys were kind of going back and forth. Um, they went back and forth about a lot of things. One of them was the concept of divorce. Uh, Bet Shemai said, really, the only way that you are going to, that you should divorce your wife uh, or your spouse is because of a severe transgression. Now, Bet Hillel was on the opposite. He said, basically, you can, uh, you can divorce your wife for any reason, including burning a meal. Uh, so, uh, yeah, two schools of thought. So Jesus is coming in here, and he is basically saying, Shammai has, uh, has got it r- right to that effect. But what we're really dealing with here, right, is God is saying, keep your promises, keep your covenant, do what, whatever you can. You know, sexual immorality in a marriage is the ultimate breaking of a, of a covenant. So, you know, in that case, can there still be restoration? Absolutely. Uh, but, you know, there, there would be grounds for divorce. Um, what J- Jesus is getting at here 
is they were in a society where basically they were going along with Bet Hillel, where they were just divorcing for any reason whatsoever. And when you realize when you go through these things, murder, anger, insult, um, committing adultery in your heart, committing adultery externally, he's pointing out things that happen in both the seen and unseen. And when we realize that everybody around us makes mistakes just like we do, we can have more grace with one another, right? Um, but it's we as humans want to pick and choose which sins offend us more, and we pick and choose harsher punishments for certain things, right? When what it really boils down to is every one of us sins and falls short of God's glory. Every single one of us needs God's grace, and every single one of us should give grace to others and receive grace from others. If we're going to be Christ-like, then we have to get into the mindset of, I'm going to lead with grace first. I'm going to give people the benefit of the doubt, and I'm going to be loving. doesn't mean that you're a doormat for people, but it does mean that you can give grace and realize that, hey, they're not perfect. I'm not perfect. And we're going to get more into Jesus addressing this in the coming days. But uh, I don't want to keep us uh, too far beyond here. What I pray for you today is that you would allow God to search your heart for the places of error inside your heart. And not allow that to be a scary process, but be a process of healing inside of you. And that you would allow God to transform your mind, to renew your mind today, renew your heart and mind, win the battles on the inside. And you do that through allowing the Holy Spirit to work in and through you. So let's pray. Father God, in the mighty name of Jesus, we thank you that we come together and study. Just where you are, say, search my heart, God. Search my heart. And if there's any wickedness, say, lead me in the way of everlasting. And we will not be conformed to this world, but we'll be transformed by the renewing of our mind. We thank you, Lord, that you allow our, your word to work in and through us. Help us to go out today, to allow you work on, to work on our heart, and to give grace to those that are around us. Because they're imperfect, we're imperfect, but Father, you are perfect. In Jesus' name. I'm Pastor J.D. Ambrosio with Sound of Heaven Church in Deer Park, New York. Check us out at SOH.Church. You're listening to the 1% Christian Podcast. 100 starts with 1. Love you guys. I will see you tomorrow.